This episode of Up for Discussion is brought to you in part by Moonbase Theta Out, a 2020 Webby Award-nominated queer sci-fi drama set in 2098 on the last active Moonbase as the comms lead tries to hold things together to get home to his husband on Earth. They're well into their third season with lots of good feels and tardigrades. And you might even hear my voice on a couple episodes. Listen to Moonbase Theta Out wherever you get your podcasts or at monkeymanproductions.com. This episode of the Up for Discussion podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's whiskey the Canadian way, without an E. Hey everybody, welcome to Up for Discussion, Tournament of Champions, Season 2, Episode 3, Review Show. I'm Tom Zalatni. Hey, I'm Matt Cole, and that was a lot of words. I think by the time we get to the last episode of this, I will have figured out how to introduce this. But until then, I will stumble and we will deal. Yeah, maybe we'll finally have a name for this show. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. How you doing, Matt? Oh, not too bad. Uh, Typically we record this in like the early afternoon and today it's in the evening so instead of i have to record this podcast and then have a crushing day of work it's i've had a crushing day of work and now it's time to record a podcast and that's a little bit brighter in my world that is a little bit brighter that sounds pretty good yeah it's not nothing yeah i had an okay day uh but then this recording was delayed by two full hours because first i was like oh you know what i should grill today because it's beautiful out and you were kind enough to push it an hour for that and then my uh landlord's contractor was doing renovations in the garage that the garage is right under my studio and they just stopped at seven so we had to push it another hour (laughs) yeah but you got to grill out and that's cool i did it was nice and toby was really well behaved the whole time he like ran around the alley but he was like close to me the whole time and like listened pretty well like i only had to remind him not to you know do baby crimes a couple of times and he was pretty good the contractor who was working on the garage next door actually popped over and was like oh can you like tell me about charcoal grilling because i love the idea of doing charcoal grilling and i was like yeah absolutely and i'm realizing in retrospect he might have finished his job a little bit earlier if i hadn't you know talked his ear off about charcoal for like 20 minutes but you know what it was a good day (laughs) it was a good day and you cursed us to this late recording and that's okay that's okay we get cursed sometimes yeah Speaking of things that are cursed, should we continue with our watch-along of Guy Fieri's Tournament of Champions? Yeah, let's do it. I would love to continue with our watch-along of Guy Fieri's Tournament of Champions with week one of bracket play. We are out of play-ins and we're into the real bracket, so for anybody who didn't care about the pre-bracket play of this Food Network competition show, well, good news, we're into the regular 
It's not the regular season. I was going to say it's the regular season. We're into full bracket play, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. We're finally into the first real round. Yeah. Uh, would you like to introduce the first round, or should I? Go for it. Yeah, so last night, we kicked off the battle with Antonio LaFossa. Uh, I switched the O and the A in her name. Let me try that <laughs> you again. You sure did. Antonia LaFosso, who is number two in the West, up against Brian Malarkey, who is number seven in the West. I think I got it right the second time. That sounds right. So Antonia LaFosso, Antonia LaFosso, and Brian Malarkey in their first round uh, got the randomizer spin of pork tenderloin, zucchini, metal skewers, creamy, and 30 minutes. And Tom, you and I have talked at length about this first battle off the air, and I think we've both said a couple of times, well, we'll save it for the recording and then continue to talk about it. So <laughs> I'll let you go ahead and start. Uh, what What is it that you would have made for this battle? Yeah, so I love pork tenderloin. Um, I I do pork tenderloin a lot. It's like my second favorite cut of pork after bacon. Um, and I really like grilling it. And uh, I decided, in fact, today, the reason that I decided to grill today is because I actually decided I wanted to make the thing that I thought up for this matchup. Uh, and that was, uh, and I'm going to send you a photo of this now so that you can uh, experience it in real time. Um, that was a wonderful pork tenderloin souvlaki. Uh, served up with a zucchini tzatziki, so like a creamy zucchini tzatziki. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's some good looking souv right there. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, the the pork turned out delicious. The tzatziki is awesome. I I didn't miss the cucumber in it because it turns out that zucchini is really not that different from cucumber once it's mixed into yogurt. And I hit it with uh, fresh basil or no, not basil, dill, mint, and uh, parsley, and a little paprika and like salt and lemon juice yeah that looks me. really good yeah it was really tasty uh, I, I had an incredibly similar uh idea i was thinking pork tenderloin kebabs mm -hmm. and uh i didn't write souvlaki on my uh notes here but i immediately went to souvlaki when i was thinking of uh pork tenderloin kebabs mm -hmm. and then i instead of doing a Setziki, that's the word mm -hmm. I was looking for. I don't know why I couldn't think of All I could think <laughs> of was yogurt sauce. And I was like, no, it has a name. <laughs> uh, but I, instead of going with like a zucchini setziki, went with a zucchini chimichurri that I thought would be real great. Oh. And I would have done kind of like a thick and creamy chimichurri, uh, which I know is not necessarily the texture that folks think of with chimichurri, but uh, that was... That was what I had in mind sure. for this mashup. You know, I can I can see that. I uh, yeah, it's definitely. I think that the judges would maybe ping you on like it not being a chimichurri, but I could see it being delicious. Right. Yeah, and I think that there's definitely a way to do a creamy chimichurri that that isn't not chimichurri. You know. I mean, I think you can still do a pretty traditional chimichurri and then just thicken it a little bit so it's not quite as stuff and oily sure. as chimichurri <laughs> standardly is. Yeah. No, I, I did a quick Google, and there's definitely a ton of recipes for creamy chimichurri, and it seems like overwhelmingly they include avocado in it to maybe give it that creaminess. Sure. I mean, okay. I might go with, like, creme fraiche. I'm not a big avocado person. Sure. And creme fraiche is, like, 
basically mashed up avocado but tastes better and isn't. <laughs> so that's kind of what I would have gone with. Yeah, I'm into but, it. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about what Antonia and Brian made. Sure. Um, because their ideas weren't honestly that far off from what we had. Yeah, well, I think that when you're given pork tenderloin, zucchini, and skewers, it's really hard not to immediately go in that direction. And, like, you know, some in, in past episodes of this, I've, I've tried not to go with my gut instinct too much. I've tried to, like, think outside the box a little. But I think that sometimes it's okay to think inside the box and just do a really good job with it. And I think that that is a little bit what both of them did this week. Uh, So Antonia did a warm hummus with roast tenderloin, zucchini, and eggplant skewers topped with dill. I thought that seemed really tasty, but also, like, yeah, pretty straightforward. Zucchini and eggplant together makes a lot of sense to me. It's a very... uh, it's a very standard, like, grilled vegetable combination. <laughs> um, and Brian Malarkey did uh, pork tenderloin and zucchini skewers with a cauliflower puree and a gremolata. Uh, and then pancetta, golden raisins, and pine nuts together as, like, a salad, which sounds incredible, with a fried zucchini ribbon on top. Yeah, I was not super into the raisin pine nut salad, but those aren't really things that I like. Sure. I was, I'll say, a little bit more into the pork and zucchini skewer that Brian Malarkey made than I was over Antonia's, but I also am much more into hummus than I am into cauliflower puree. (laughs) So definitely both of these dishes had things for me and things not for me. There wasn't one or the other that I was like, oh, that's definitely my winner um, versus, versus that's definitely a loser. Yeah, well, and I thought I think it's interesting that you say that because I think the judges felt the same way, right? Where the scores on this one were really, really close. It was an eighty-five and an eighty-seven, and like I, I think that uh, I, I texted you during this, uh, and I think what I said was, uh, "Holy shit, is this happening right now?" <laughs> um, because for half a second, while the judges were deliberating, I thought that Brian Malarkey was about to beat Antonia. And it was, uh, I was ready to be really mad about that. Yeah, I wasn't, I I was not super sure. Uh, but I mentioned, I think in the first week we did this, that I kind of got it pinned down on what the judges say. And I can tell where I think they're going to go. And what it was for me was uh, Scott Conant saying that uh, Brian Malarkey's zucchini was a little bit undercooked. Mm. And the pork was cooked inconsistently. Right. And I think the two points that Brian missed were on execution. So I don't disagree. I mean, I didn't eat the food, obviously. Right. But judging from what the judges said, I don't disagree with the way the score shook out. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I think that the, the thing that's tricky with pork tenderloin is like when you cook a pork tenderloin, you kind of want to leave it just a little bit pink in the middle typically. But... I don't know how how often you've personally cooked pork tenderloin, but um, it's kind of an inconsistently sized cut of meat. Like it is thicker at one end and then kind of like slowly gets a little bit thinner toward the other end. And so like, I think that it is tricky to cook it consistently the whole way through, right? You kind of, the where it is thickest, you want it to be like still a little pink, and then like you can't expect the sort of like tail end of it to still be pink because it is thinner and it will just naturally cook through a little bit more. But when you're chopping it up and putting it on skewers, it's not hard to cook it evenly because you have eliminated that that variable of thickness by cutting it up. So to screw that up, I completely understand him going home. 
Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. I love pork tenderloin. I have not cooked it much myself, and typically when I do, it's like big time slow cooker meal for me. Sure. Um, just because my ability to like, it, I have exactly that issue, right? Like my ability to evenly cook a pork tenderloin is not super strong, and uh, Maddie does not love pink meat really at all okay and so it's a lot easier to just throw it in the slow cooker and let it let it go over a couple of hours than it is for me to try and do it in a pan or in the oven or anything like that but i 100 percent agree like if you're going to cut it up uh whether you're doing souvlaki or you know really anything else like if you're going to cut it up and put it on a skewer it's got four sides just roll the skewer over a couple of times (laughs) like i don't know what else to tell you yeah exactly So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about our judges real quick. Uh, so you mentioned already we have Scott Conant, who uh, I think is mostly a chopped guy. I don't know what else he's really from. I see him on Beat Bobby Flay a lot as well. Yeah, he is mostly chopped. He's on the chopped side of Food Network. I have a note here in my notes that I'm I'm interested to hear your reaction to. Okay. That Scott Conant is the Joe Rogan of Food Network. Oh no, I don't think so. I don't think necessarily in like personality, but I think that he looks the way Joe Rogan would look if Joe Rogan was a Food Network personality. Oh, you think? I feel like I um, super do. I feel like Michael Simon looks the way that Joe Rogan would look if Joe Rogan was a Food Network personality. Yeah, and I didn't get it last night in uh, Tournament of Champions. When I always see it, I see it on Chopped. Every okay. time Scott Conan is on Chopped, I'm like, this guy is a little bit too much like Joe Rogan for me. Weird. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a thing. Huh. Michael Simon isn't not. Like, I don't disagree with you, uh, but I don't know. That's just kind of kind of the way I see Scott Conan. That's interesting because Scott Conan has a whole lot of hair and Joe Rogan does not, notably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Chris <laughs> Santos. Wait, I just looked at the chop judges. So I see it in Scott Conant, but the one I really see it in and oh. I mistook him for Scott Conant is Chris Santos. Yeah. Chris Santos is Food Network's Joe Rogan. Sure. Chris Santos wasn't on Tournament of Champions last night, but I just needed to put that out into the world. Yeah, that I see. That I see. Hopefully neither Scott Conant nor Chris Santos are, you know, <laughs> shitbags in the way that Joe Rogan is, but... <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Um, we've also got Nancy Silverton returning and uh, Margu Jules. Wow, Margu Jules. Jesus. Marcus Samuelson is back as well. Yeah, I love Marcus Samuelson. Me too. He is, I think, top of the list right now, tied probably with Manit Shohan for Food Network judges or Food Network personalities whose restaurants I want to go to the most. (laughs) Like Marcus Samuelson's Harlem chicken restaurant is like number one destination post COVID. Yeah, I get that. It's uh, he is, he's a really impressive guy. And I also just really like the way that he thinks about food in terms of like storytelling and in terms of like um, ambassadorship, I guess feels like a weird way to say that, but, but yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So do you want to move on to round two? Yeah, let's. So the second matchup is uh, Darnell Ferguson versus Mark Murphy. So Darnell is the, uh, I've got this written somewhere. Darnell is on the East Coast side. Darnell is number four and Mark is number five. So they're they're pretty close to each other here in the East Coast bracket. And uh, 
I just want to say right out the gate, uh, you and I texted a little bit about the clothing choices made by some of the contestants last night. Um, I think you sent me a message that said Aaron May's hoodie is the best thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I really loved Christian Petroni's flannel tuxedo. But when Darnell came out wearing his, like, half baseball jersey half chef jacket thing with like louisville written across the back of it and his baseball cap i was like oh shit okay all right darnell all right yeah darnell has has the drip man yep that guy is is styling and profiling i mean last year he had the like hooded chef's coat that said super chef on the back um, I really, I really like Darnell. Yeah. We have, I've said it, I think on the show before that we have one of his restaurants almost walking distance from my house and I really like his cooking. I really like his food. I really like his style. I just really like Darnell. Have you met him? I have not met him. Okay. No. Uh, he has a restaurant up here in Columbus, but he lives and is mostly based in Louisville. Right. Um, I think he's from here originally or around here but he lives down in louisville now so i have not i have not been there i also haven't been to louisville so i like that the more times that the name of that city in kentucky has been said throughout the show the less and less it sounds the way that it's spelled yeah that well i pronounce it the way that the locals pronounce it which right. is louisville louisville uh and um as long as as long as you don't say like Louisville, right. everyone will know you're a big time outsider if you say Louisville. Sure. Um, typically, because I don't live in Kentucky, I end up around like Louisville. But uh, sometimes it's just like LVL, Louisville. Oh, see, up here we call that Laval. That's a joke that my Montreal listeners are gonna love. So in the second matchup, the randomizer gave them catfish, turnips, the fryer, spicy, and forty five minutes. Matt, what would you have done with this? I want you to know, and I, I absolutely 110% promise you that I wrote this in my notes before they told us what the chefs were making or they started cooking, Sure. but I would have done Nashville hot catfish. Okay. Like, absolutely, I would have done Nashville hot catfish, and uh, I know that's exactly what Darnell made, but the difference is that he went with like a roasted turnip and uh, corn chowder. Uh, sort of situation, and I would have gone with a ranch turnip slaw Ooh, okay. because being from the Midwest, I can't eat Nashville hot without ranch. Not because I need <laughs> it for the heat, but because it's part of the meal. Right. And so I would have made like a turnip slaw, and then I would have tossed that slaw in ranch and put that with my Nashville hot catfish, which I would never eat because I don't like catfish, but that's what I would have made. That's fair. I uh, have never thought about using ranch for a slaw, and now I really want to give that a shot. Like in, I guess, in place of mayonnaise or in yeah, place of yeah. like whatever vinaigrette, depending Definitely on how you like in your place of whatever. Um, <laughs> Interesting. I would say that Maddie and I, being the Midwestern trash that we are, often do ranch slaw and honey mustard slaw okay, when we yeah. do like chicken sandwiches uh, or you know anything really because we'll put ranch on literally anything because we're from ohio but uh yeah ranch in slaw works really really well i mean it's effectively like a salad sure it's just a salad yeah but it's good nice i like that yeah i mean really slaw is like just a type of salad so i guess any salad dressing could be the dressing for slaw that that 
that checks out um yeah i uh i have never had catfish so i don't know what kind of flavor profile i'm working with there so it's entirely possible that what i'm about to say is disgusting but you know <laughs> here goes when i saw those ingredients my brain went to fish and chips uh so i would do breaded fried catfish a la fish and chips um and then i would take the turnips and do them two ways uh the first way being like thick cut as sort of a french fry kind of situation maybe waffle cut if i've got a, a waffle cutter as an option because i think there's something fun about that um yeah. or like crinkle cut even i don't know turnips are more disc than than stick in my mind so i would you know <laughs> figure it out uh and then i would also uh thinly shave them with like a mandolin and do a like spicy pickled turnip to put on top um because i feel like when you get fish and chips you want the fish you want the chips but then you also maybe want like a pickled note i don't know that's that's where i went with it i don't really like fish at all to be honest and so i don't eat fish and chips very much but fish and chips isn't something that jumps out to me as spicy so would you add any other spicy notes to your fish and chips other than that like spicy pickled turnip or would you call that your spice of the category yeah so my like general approach to any sort of breaded fried thing is to like just put like an ass load of cayenne in the dredge sure okay yeah (laughs) so i think i would just still do that with this yeah i mean that makes sense i definitely i think when i hear spice like i love spicy food i love the the like sadist part of me is really into spicy food and so when i hear spicy as the style of food that you want to make like i want it to be a nashville hot sort of spicy i want my nose to sweat Mm -hmm. while i eat it and that i think transitions us really well into darnell (laughs) making nashville hot catfish and mark murphy deciding he didn't really want to play the game today yeah yeah my goodness i um so I've had such a conflicting, like, evolving feeling about Mark Murphy over time, where my initial reaction to him when I first started seeing him on things was that I didn't like him, but I really quickly realized that was just because he looks a little bit like someone I knew in real life who I don't like, and, like, it just, you know, you see someone who's got a punchable face, and you're like, well, I want to punch that face, and then, you know, as I watched him a little bit more, I started to find him a little charming, and, like, I get it, I enjoy him, like, I've gotten over the fact that he looks like someone I don't like, but... During this episode, man, he said a couple of things that really rubbed me the wrong way. And you and I were chatting about this a little bit before recording. Um, There were a handful of moments where he, like, made digs at Darnell that felt really snobby and classist. And, like, you know, he is a middle-aged white guy who was raised in Italy and, like, has, you know classical chef training. So I'm not at all surprised that he's, like, a bit of a snob and a douchebag. But, like, it really, really rubbed me the wrong way because it felt like he didn't respect Darnell. And uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe he should have because he lost by six points. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm i not going to sit here and, and be an apologist for a Food Network chef. That seems a little off-brand for me. But <laughs> I, do, I do like Mark Murphy. I don't have a huge problem with Mark Murphy. Although I really view Mark Murphy as a classically trained very traditional french mediterranean chef who has a lot of friends who do weird cooking shows and those friends invite him along all the time and he doesn't really enjoy it but he just likes to be included and so (laughs) he shows up and they're like hey 
we need you to make a spicy dish. And he's like, yeah, I don't really do spicy food. And so he doesn't make a spicy dish, and then he loses. And he's like, all right, cool. Thanks for having me. And then he leaves. And that's pretty <laughs> much the, the story arc of Mark Murphy on everything that I see him on. Um, I really like Mark Murphy on Guy's Ranch Kitchen mm-hmm. because he always whips out these incredibly gorgeous, like very classical, traditional-looking dishes on Guy Fieri's porch, and that's fun. But I don't know if I've ever seen Mark Murphy make something that I think to myself, oh, I would eat that, or I would enjoy that. He just definitely doesn't make food for me. Sure. And, you know, we talked, like you said, we talked a lot. uh, We were texting back and forth about Mark Murphy and, and the way he interacted with Darnell. And I personally have a bit of a hard time believing that you can be in Guy Fieri's in crowd and be that much of a douchebag because <laughs> Guy Fieri is so cool. I assume he doesn't hang out with a lot of douchey people. Sure. But I don't know. I mean, these are celebrities on TV. I don't know what their likes are like. I don't know what they're really like. I do think though that uh, sometimes when they edit 45 minutes of cooking into a five minute segment, things get spiced up a little bit and seem a little bit more poignant than they do or Mm -hmm. than they are. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not here to be a fucking Food Network chef apologist. That's not my jam. (laughs) But I I was not put off by Mark Murphy last night. However, I did – the minute that he was like, yeah, so I don't really do spicy food. I was like, okay, well, like, you can just go home. We don't have to waste everybody's time. Sure, If yeah. you didn't want to play, you didn't have to play. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt about it. Yeah, I get that. I think I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder when it comes to, like, people who are classically trained in any way or, like, you know, academics. Like, that, that sort of, like, upper class kind of person doing anything that feels even remotely like it's talking down to people who kind of, like are objectively very good at a thing but came about it a different way you know yeah no absolutely i mean i grew up in a incredibly rural area where we laughed at upper class people for wasting their money on things that didn't matter <laughs> right like, you you can't fix your hvac with a college degree so i i definitely get that um i think especially on like cable food network it's really funny to watch these classically trained chefs be like all right you got to make ratatouille and all you have are two grapes beef jerky and a blender good luck it just really makes me laugh it's it's fun to watch the upper class struggle yeah no and i definitely like i i do enjoy that most of the time i think he just rubbed me the wrong way last night but you you know it's fine Sometimes yeah. people rub you the wrong way. Right, and that's reasonable. You're allowed to be rubbed in whatever direction you want, Tom. Thank you. I'm going to make that You're the welcome. title of this episode. I'm, I'm here to give you permission to be rubbed. <laughs> this episode of Up for Discussion is brought to you in part by an anonymous donation on behalf of Welcome Hall Mission. Welcome Hall Mission was established in 1892, and it's the largest doorway to help Montrealers in need. Tons of programs are available to support homeless people, young single mothers, families, and at-risk youth. They provide hope through concrete actions and effective solutions. If you're someone in Montreal who's in need, please check them out. And if you're not, but you want to help them out with something, go to their website at the link in the description below and learn about the ways that you can support the Welcome Hall mission. 
If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of March, I'll be donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in Montreal. They can turn every $1 into 3 which means your free rating and review does $6 of good for a family in need. You can read up on everything The Depot is doing at the link in the description below. I also wanted to remind you that our network is in the middle of a massive fundraising campaign right now over on Indiegogo. At the time of recording, we've raised just over $3,200, which is amazing. We've surpassed our original goal, and now we can move on to our first stretch goal, where, if we can raise a total of $5,000, we'll be able to donate full recording setups to two local youth centers here in my neighborhood of NDG. I'm very excited to be able to tell you that we're partnering with the Walkley Center and the St. Raymond Center, two fantastic community organizations to help them create space for the young people in our area to make their voices heard. It's been a dream of mine for a long time to find ways to give back to my community by podcasting, and it feels amazing to have finally found a concrete way to do that. But I can't do that without your help. So if you've got even a buck to spare, hit the Indiegogo link in the description of this episode to donate. Help us reach our $5,000 goal. There's a lot of awesome perks in it for you as well. And if money's tight and you can't afford to support us financially, I completely understand that. But there's also ways to help out for free. You can share the campaign link with your friends. And we actually have a really great referral contest going on where you can get over $200 worth of perks just by getting your friends to donate on your behalf. And, uh... (laughs) full disclosure at the time of this recording not a lot of people have taken advantage of that referral contest yet so like i think that the number to beat right now is two you get two referrals or more and you will currently be in the lead which means you really just have to convince two of your friends to donate to our campaign and you will win a bunch of perks that's that's really not that difficult if you want information about how to get set up with a referral link please don't hesitate to reach out to me any of the ways that you know how help us make podcasting awesome and accessible in our neighborhood for years to come at indiegogo all right Let's get back to the show. Do you want to tell us about the third round? I definitely do. Thank you for getting me out of that. The third round, uh, Battle 3, Brooke Williamson, number one in the West, versus Naisha Arrington, number eight in the West. And the randomizer handed them what I thought was honestly kind of a boring mix-up, but it was lamb chops, kale, a Tammy, which I had never heard of before. <laughs> and then the style was glazed and they had 30 minutes. So, Tom, what would you make with those things? So I had looked away from the screen while they were like reading off the randomizer because I always look down at my phone and type it as he's reading it so that I have it all yeah. written down. Um, and when he said Tammy, I had to look up for a second because I don't know what a Tammy is. For a second, I thought maybe they had an assistant who was going to come out and her name was Tammy and you had to get her to do something. (laughs) That would have been very good. (laughs) Like, you know, I don't know if you've seen Cutthroat Kitchen, but like sometimes Alton Brown brings out his buddies who he calls the Bobs and, uh, you know, makes them part of the game. And and sometimes the Bobs are your sous chefs. And I was like, okay, maybe there is a sous chef named Tammy and you got to use her at some point during the competition. Um, and then as Simon Majumder so, you know, eloquently put it, a Tammy is just a posh word for a sieve. But it's, uh, yeah, I was like, okay, so so lamb chop is not super familiar territory for me. Um, usually if I'm doing lamb, I do ground lamb um, and I'll make like a kind of Lebanese style, like kefta kebab kind of thing out of it. Sure. So my brain went straight in that kind of direction to a sort of Mediterranean, which like I think is fair with lamb. Um, so I would uh, take a shot at roasting lamb chops that I don't know how to cook because I've never done it before um, and uh, 
try to use some of the same flavors that I would use in the ground lamb. So like paprika, cumin, parsley, that kind of stuff. Um, and then for the glaze, I was actually thinking like a honey lemon kind of thing. So something like a little Ooh. bit sweet, but a little acidic. Just because I, I like that flavor combination especially for like a kind of like richer meat so yeah i was thinking like a honey lemon glaze um and then to use the kale i would make a salad (laughs) out of it um or maybe a slaw i I don't know maybe a slaw i do like kale in slaw form um with uh, apples and toasted pistachios uh, and then like a lemon garlic olive oil dressing and i would just like squeeze the lemon through the tammy to feel like i used it and not get any seeds in my dressing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I had a bit of a bone to pick with Simon Majumdar, friend of the show Simon Majumdar. It's true. Because he said, a Tammy is just a posh word for a sieve. And I said, but Simon, what's a sieve? I don't know what that is either. <laughs> and then he, they held one up and I was like, oh, it's like a coffee filter. Could have yeah. just said metal coffee filter for all of the uninitiated. <laughs> Which harkens me back to the first episode when we were giving the chefs a really hard time for not knowing what a hand mixer is. <laughs> and here am I like, oh, it's a metal coffee filter. Like, who would describe it that way? Anyway, uh, this third challenge was actually the part of the show where I use the word Slovaki because my Sorry, what? first thought... <laughs> what was that word? What? Slovaki. What? Slovaki? Suvlaki? Suvlaki? Slovaki, Yeah. <laughs> That L and V can be on whatever ever side they want. I don't know if they can, Matt. <laughs> I don't know if they can. No, I'm I'm realizing that I I wrote Suvlaki. No, I wrote Solvaki. That's what I wrote. <laughs> Was S O U L V A K I Solvaki? Isn't that where Wanda and Vision are from? Excellent. Well done. You know what? claps to you i don't know if my filter will let my claps through but i'm clapping i'm impressed <laughs> well played i get the reference anyway so tell me about Suvlaki, your lamb uh i think i would have thought of uh suvlaki style glazed lamb and i would have put that on a pita and i would have made like a gyro and i don't know if you can really make suvlaki out of lamb chops but when they said, hey, make these lamb chops. Also, you have 30 minutes. I was like, oh, well, you got to break those down. There's no way you can really get through a lamb chop in 30 minutes. Sure. I also really love lamb in gyros, like in gyro meat, you know, like on rotisseries. I really like lambs that way. Uh, but I don't love lamb chops. The last time I had a lamb chop was actually in Alaska, and I was so excited because I was like at this really fancy lodge and was promised really fancy food, and they brought me this really fancy lamb chop, and it was undercooked and terrible, and it tasted like dirt, and I hated it. So I have... I'm not a big fan of lamb chops, but I like lamb meat, and so I was like, well, if you break it down and cook it like Solvaki, it'll probably be good. So I think, too, I would have been really weird, and I would have done, like, a strawberry glaze, Ooh. and I would have tried to go really, really sweet with the lamb, and then I would have done, like, a fried and salted kale to go into that gyro to really balance out that sweetness. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that. 
I am. Um, I really like the idea of a strawberry glaze on a on a lamb. Um, I think like I think that strawberry is a subtle enough flavor when you like try to put it into things that like it might be hard to make it a proper glaze but but also that might not be a bad thing like you might be able to do it in a way where it's like there but not overwhelming and i think that would be really nice yeah i agree i think that there and i've never tried to make a strawberry glaze i was just sitting at home last night thinking of like what would be a good glaze to do with this dish and i like pomegranate pomegranate's fine but it's I think pomegranate glaze is a little bit overdone and I was trying to think of what other fruits or glazes I could use and strawberry came to mind because it's sweet but it does have that little bit of sour after note mm-hmm. it's not quite as as bitey as pomegranate is but it's there yeah. and so I was thinking of like a strawberry and balsamic vinegar glaze on that lamb sure yeah I know that sounds really good so Brooke Williamson pulled out uh, pomegranate glazed lamb chops, and then she did a tahini sauce with fried kale. And then Naisha also did a pomegranate lamb chop, but she did the second cauliflower puree of the night and did, I think she said it was like a, a cauliflower pomegranate salsa. I don't know. She said the word salsa a lot, and I never really saw any salsa. Yeah. Uh, and then she also did some charred kale. Yeah, I remember the the pomegranate salsa coming up, um, which like, you know what, fair enough. Like she, you know, had a lot of pomegranate left over and wanted to use it. And I think that's a really nice instinct to go, what do I have here that I'm wasting? How can I incorporate it? But yeah, I, I, it, it sounded good. Both both plates sounded good. I was, I was ready for either of them to be the winner, honestly. Um, there was a moment during the cooking where Justin Warner described Naisha's glazed lamb chops as thick with two C's but not as thick as with three C's and just kind of yeah. gave a look to the camera. <laughs> I I heard that and was like, you know, okay, hats off to you, Justin Warner, fellow millennial Justin Warner. You have, you made the meme. I acknowledge it. He did it. I didn't ever think I would hear the phrase thick with two C's on the Food Network, but thank you for giving me that opportunity. Yeah, I just I always thought that if we heard something like that, it would not, it would not be like someone in a, you know, serious commentator position. I thought it would be like, I don't know, that feels like something that like someone on like one of the many many shows that are just triple D with a slightly different, you know, theme. Like that that feels like something that you hear at like you know, Noah Cap goes to a carnival and he's like, "These waffles are thick with two C's." Yeah, absolutely. Uh or maybe like Duff Goldman dropping that in a, a cake show. That sounds right. Yeah. But I didn't expect to hear it on Tournament of Champions. Yeah. Duff's wife is a millennial, so he's probably heard that phrase before. <laughs> so anyway, the judges liked Brooke's plate just slightly better. Yeah. Liked it enough to take the plates with them. And Nancy asked for a doggy bag, which I thought was pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's good when Nancy Silverton wants to bring it home. Right. Yeah, exactly. I did think that it was interesting that Brooks pork, or not pork, excuse me, Brooks lamb, according to Scott, ended up a little bit over, and they said that Naisha's lamb was cooked really well, and Brooks still ended up winning, because that is typically, like, if one chef cooks their protein really well, and the other chef is over under, that's typically a pretty dead giveaway of who's going in what direction. 
but I also just with how much they enjoyed Brooks dish and you know, Nancy's comment about asking for a doggy bag. I was like, all right, well, Nancy's going to push this over the edge yeah. no matter how well she rates Naisha's. And again, not to say that Naisha's was bad because Naisha scored an 88 and that would have beaten everyone else that competed that night and she would have tied with Darnell. Yep. But she lost to Brooke because Brooke pulled out a 92. Yeah. That's it. I when I saw that happen, I was like, okay, Naisha's gonna go home and like be a little bummed to have been eliminated, but like she cannot not be proud of what she did, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um I really appreciated right before spinning the randomizer for this round, Guy made a point of like first telling Naisha, like, I want you to get on Triple G sometime because I like you and I think you're really talented and want to see what you do there. And then also of, you know, pulling the three, two, one go. <laughs> Um, yeah i i really like that because it felt like such a nice little nod to like hey like you're in the club now and then it was also shenanigans yeah absolutely i really like naisha i really enjoyed watching her cook i'm really excited to see her be around more just generally i really like her uh as a food network personality yeah i think she's uh i think she's gonna be around for a while i hope anyway yeah i would have loved to see her go through the first round i mean she went up against Brooke Williamson, who was last year's champion and was last year's champion for a reason. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that she lost in the first round, but I am definitely disappointed that we don't get to see her move forward. Yeah, that's it. Like, I think between of the two, like, first seed, eighth seed matchups, so like Brooke and Naisha and Amanda and Tiffany, which we haven't seen the latter yet, I think that this one was the one where I was like, you know, I wanted Naisha to win. I had her winning in my bracket, but that was really just because I wanted to see more of her. I was like fairly certain that Brooke was going to win this one. For the East Coast one, I'm genuinely not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, I have Tiffany as my big upset in this bracket. I like Amanda Freitag a lot, and you know, she came in second last year, so it's easy to assume that she would sweep right through, but I have Tiffany Faison getting through and going kind of far. So this week, my bracket is perfect. We'll see if next week I bust. <laughs> I was going to say, this week, my bracket is uh, not quite perfect. I, I did, unfortunately, you know, with Naisha getting eliminated, uh, that chunk of my bracket is gone. But uh, Antonia and Darnell were both on there for me. So crossing my fingers that uh, things, you know, go better for me next week. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know exactly who we're going to see next week. If they follow the same pattern they did this week, it'll be Amanda Freitag and Tiffany Faison, Manit Shohan and Madison Cowan, and uh, Kat Cora and Michael Voltaggio, which would leave Jet Tila and Aaron May and Christian Petroni and Brian Voltaggio for week three. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that they, at least not that I saw last night, I don't think that they did a, here's what's coming next week. They, but I may have just missed it. They did. Uh, they did do a quick teaser. Um, but I'm not confident that it's like an accurate teaser. Um, but the teaser that I saw last night did have... Um, Actually, the only thing from it that I remember for sure was uh, Michael Voltaggio and Kat Cora. Yeah, I actually, the only thing I remember from the preview they showed was Amanda Freitag and Tiffany Faison because the blender blew up on Tiffany Faison. Okay. And that's like the only real memory that I have. <laughs> so 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I, uh, I'm excited for it. I think no matter what, it's going to be, uh, going to be really, really crazy. I think so too. Uh, we've got two of our least favorites eliminated already. A couple of our favorites already through. So it'll be interesting to see what the bracket looks like next week. Yeah. I mean, looking at the rest of this, like there's no one left on here who I actively dislike. I don't love Jet Tila, but like, that's just because I once heard him say that if he wasn't going to be a chef, he was going to be a cop. And I'm like predisposed to dislike him as a result. Yeah. I wish you hadn't told me that fact about Jet Tila because <laughs> that changes. Well, okay. I don't know. Maybe he's changed his opinion in the last couple of years. Um, the all, all good cops quit. And if you're not a cop, you're the best cop. So that's true. <laughs> Jet Tila is a great cop. Yeah. Some people get in. Some people get into cooking to save them from drugs. Other people get into cooking to save them from law enforcement. <laughs> I love that. I was going to say, I think if uh, if Jet Tila ever has to be a cop, I think the rule should be that he doesn't get a gun. He just gets knives. <laughs> well, hey, thank you guys so much for listening to Up for Discussion's review of uh, Tournament of Champions Season 2, Episode 3, the first chunk of the first round matchups. Uh, if you like this, subscribe rate us etc i'm gonna record the outro later matt you got anything to plug before you go uh no not really i mean the same things i plug every week you can follow me on social media mc underscore dj underscore mc listen to my podcast that aren't this one uh at debate this cast and um the plus is loose those are those are my other podcasts that aren't this thanks beautiful and if you like this show don't forget to tell us all about it on uh social media you can hit matt up at mc underscore dj underscore mc like you said you can hit me up at tom's a latinai you can hit the show up at down with talking if you like the show and want to help us make it even better head to patreon.com slash up for discussion to donate for as little as a dollar a month you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like patrick gabriel kendall and carlea thomas george poppy killian sarah angelica and andrew who's matt's co-host over on debate this laura erica chantal and david our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks including a to request topics for episodes of the show so go do that at patreon.com slash up for discussion you can also buy merch at the merch link and of course you can support us for free by leaving a rating review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend our theme music is by zach ingles and our cover art is by david flam you can find links to support both of them in the description of this episode and last but not least the show is produced and edited by me tom salatni as part of the upford network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com excellently done Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. I'm October Jones, Hi, and this I'm is... I'm Fish with Legs. I'm a fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs. Starring me and my best friend... <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? 
They're in authority for a reason, fish with legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't Wait be- for adults and kids. <laughs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts and, of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. Bye! What Mega Man boss would make the most terrifying kaiju? I, for one, want to be the first to welcome our new kaiju overlords. How would Adam Sandler fit in the MCU? I injected myself with the Green Goblin serum. Oh! Debate This is a podcast that asks the questions about your favorite video games and comics that no one is asking. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts and on social media at Debate This Cast. None of it's that is so mind control. Though. It's so close. It's not it's, so close. It's-